The Courage to Grow is business. The Big Small Business Show made possible by MTN Business, a new world of business. And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today. Hello and welcome to the Big Small Business Show. On this show, we assist entrepreneurs in various e- eras, parts. Now, what else could you call it? Phases, stages. Phases, stages. Mental states. Mental states of their entrepreneurial journey. Uh, this show is for you. We want to welcome back Mona Lisa, who's been away for the last two weeks, but come back nice in blue, pretty yes, in blue. Yes, I'm here to yeah, bring back the yeah, colors. Yeah, very, very summery. <laughs> Thanks, Alon. <laughs> Right, and of course, uh, Kumaran Padiachi, who is our finance guru, and is wondering what abuse I'm going to be throwing at him today. <laughs> our guests today in studio are Michelle Thakre, who is GM at Mina Nawe Marketing, and Fats Maluleka, who is a long-time and hands-on employee, been with the business for the last 12 years. This is a niche marketing company, and their focus is on the emerging informal market, primarily LSMs 4 to 8, in townships across the country. Let's have a look. Mina Nawe is a marketing business offering unique services, exclusively focusing on understanding the main market consumer and activating face-to-face brand encounters for the mass market. Gigi Alcock, the CEO of the company, and Michelle Thakwe, the shareholder and executive director, have tapped into the massive informal economy, finding various ways of bringing potential big clients to invest in the emerging informal market. There is this massive informal economy within this, in South Africa that people don't know about because we can't measure it. So we've got this economy, um, this township, informal township economy that is worth billions. Um, which really talks up your Pakistanis, your Somalians, etc., all of the foreign, tra- uh, foreign-owned traders who've come into this country and who've actually contributed to the economy in this country. So what we do as a, as a business is we look for insights and potentials to tap into that informal economy uh, from that point of view. We saw this potential to actually assist our consumers in terms of making decisions and the correct decisions at that stage. And I think at this point, for me, one needs to understand that, yes, this is a commercial entity, but there is also an ethical um, understanding. You don't want consumers at the end of the day to be just buying something that we actually don't believe in. The business has been in operation for over 10 years, moving from employing a staff of five to 22 full-time employees, hiring 500 promoters across the country, and making a turnover of over 50 million rand in the last financial year. Any project comes in, we, that's me. You know, we go out and do the inside and find out what uh, basically is this going to work for us or this is not going to work for us. So. Before I can do any, before we take any project, I do the research. 
When I started working here, it was more of starting working as a manager to hire people to come work for us. But now the disadvantage is that, you know, most of the time I have to train people and you take people that do, know, do not know anything. And I have to train them from nothing to be something. With the business facing challenges of wanting to upscale dramatically once attaining clients, Gigi and Michelle seek to find ways of bringing more potential big clients to invest in the emerging informal economy. Right now, the informal market is growing exponentially and that a lot of the marketers as well as the formal trade, unfortunately, are seeing, because the formal trade is seeing a decline in terms of their, their purchasing patterns. But what we're seeing in the informal trade is there's a massive um, growth within that market. But because you can't measure it, and because it's uh, not tangible, um, and because Nielsen doesn't uh, basically give us the data for that at the end of the day, it's very difficult for us to often substantiate to the client exactly why they should be investing in this market. Now, Michelle, short-term goal is to be the go-to agency for mass market, be it consumer, shopper, or route-to-market activations. They also recently created client service and operations business units in the company with the goal to put the right people into the right positions to ensure smooth delivery on client briefs. Welcome, both of you. Thank you very yeah, much. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Right, so, so the first part, I'm going to get some clarifying questions out of the way. Sure. So how, let's start with you. How do you get the work? How does, why do people choose your business over the many others that are in the industry? So I think what makes us unique is our insights um, driven approach to, uh, to any campaign. We get a brief from a client. We then look at that brief. We then go into the environment or into the marketplace. And we'd actually do a lot of research around that. Um, and Jay's Fluid is an example where Jay's Fluid basically comes across as a disinfectant. But actually what we did was we found that Jay's Fluid did more than that. It actually protected the home from evil spirits as well. So what we did was we brought that insight into the campaign that we developed for um, Tiger Brands. Um, so, so, so Fats, um, when you get the order in, what, what is the process now? The, the research is done, the, the design, the brief is d d designed. What, do you, what is your role? What is the role in the actual execution? So my process will be to train, will be training the staff mm -hmm. to what I've researched and also making sure that all the, all the guys that will be promoting whatever that will be running is to make sure that we do exactly what we've told the client and what the research told us what to do as well. And wh when you find these the people who are going to, to be trained, are they just random people off the street? Are these people that you use time and time again? How do you find these people? Well, we've got people that use time and time, and also we just get people from the street, which we train them from nowhere to be somewhere. Michelle, com coming to yes. you, the, the, the types of clients that you have, are they predominantly uh, consumer, consumer goods, or are there services in there? They're primarily FMCG clients, but we do do a lot of work with the likes of a BevCan, for, for argument's sake, with some of the, your um, financial institutions, etc. So it's not just um, within, that, within that scope. It is quite broad. Okay. Monalisa? 
I wanted to then ask, um, based on the campaigns that you do, and obviously the deliverable is to the client, but in um, being able to market and your your differentiator, how does how does a, a, a non-existing client know about you, and how how would they rate your success? Um, when you say non-existing clients, so we. Some, so someone you potentially see as a client but isn't a client yet. Oh, okay. So, so we're quite good at cold calling. Mm -hmm. We have a division that actually looks after that. Her name is Nancy. And Nancy will go and knock on doors um, in terms of where we see potential within the industry. Mm -hmm. But, of course, we don't work on competitor clients. That is one of our, mm -hmm. our sort of ethical approaches towards the business. Um, but, yeah, Nancy okay. is... And let just to add as well, we're also good in doing imaging. So which will come to a company to say, look, let's take you and let's go and see your product there. Mm. That's where we do our best as well. So you'll know us. Mm. Could you just give us the sense of the, the, the main issue you want us to resolve? To, to assist with yeah, this. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is that we're a, a medium-sized business. And at the end of the day, you've got 12 months of the year. Often clients, um, is particularly in the marketing industry, um, and they split into their four quarters, quarter one and quarter two can often be very dead, whereas quarter three and quarter four are just over, over sort of engineered. And what happens is you've got a existing staffing structure that's got to manage that entire process throughout the year. So in quarter three and quarter four, when we're running 90% of our business, or let's be more realistic, probably 60% of our business, we have to do it with the same amount of staffing structure. Mm. So gearing up individuals is fine, but those individuals need to be trained. And that training process takes a long time. So how do we then still deliver excellence within that short period of time? That's also very well, well uh, that's a nice frame. frame. Great. It's time for us to take a, a break and uh, we'll be right back with more questions straight after this. Welcome back and thanks for spending your time with us. Now our guests in studio today are uh, Michelle Thackeray and Fats Maluleka from Minanawe Marketing. This is a niche marketing company and one of their key offerings is to create brand activations for their clients in the informal economy. Before the break we were, we were trying to get a sense of where the work came from, uh, what the issue was and how, how training took, took place. Your, your turn, Kamara. Right. So if I understand the pr uh, problem or the challenge is that first half of the year, your revenue and contracts are like this, Correct. and the second half of the year, there's a marked 50% jump, mm -hmm. and then how do you maintain that staffing and, and get them up and running? So how have you tried to solve that problem? Very briefly, how have you tried to solve that problem before? Well, what we've done, unfortunately, is we we've had have to had extend our staff. Um, so, in other words, we we staff know that the first half of the year is kind of I wouldn't say downtime, um, but the second half of the year they kind of mentally gear themselves up for the fact that they're going to be working exceptionally long hours. Anything from that else point of view. you've tried? Um, no, not really. Yeah. So, for me, this seems a uh, uh, and it's a clarifying question. It seems a result or a consequence mm. of the type of clients you got. Mm. Correct. So if it's 
a lot of them are FMCG, then they're all going to be Christmas kind of crunch, right? That's why it's weighted there. So do you have a target market selection strategy or you just take what's there so you're living with the problem by default rather than creating the solution by design? I hear what, what you're I'm saying, and I think what we've tried to do with our clients in the past and, and ongoing is to ensure that they've got a calendar of events as opposed to it all being sort of in the second, what we call um, quarter three or quarter four, um, and, and really trying to give them that year's worth of activity from that point of view. And I think it really does come from us from the point of view that we need to actually start challenging our clients and actually start um, uh, changing their mindset in terms of that market space. But if if you've got certain FMCG and there's th this industry is inherently biased or bent towards this way, are there other sectors that are perhaps bent towards the first half so you even it out? Uh, to, to an extent, absolutely. I mean, you look like at the. It's like you're summarizing. Can you uh, summarize? I ask the question. Yeah, he does it all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want to come to you, Fats, and, and, yeah. and ask the, the question around the FMCG guys who. Um, if you look at, let's take three or four clients, yeah. what percentage of the training that you provide would be similar? So if you, s if you say you've got a client X, a client Y, and client Z with, with three different products, mm. and you've got three different training trainings mm. or, or teams, what percentage of the base training would be the same for all three? Well, it will be, the percentage will be Plus minus. Plus minus, I'll say 10%. Only 10%? Yeah. Number. Okay, 90% yeah. is brand new per client. Yeah, yeah it's brand Customized, new. bespoke. Yeah, yeah for okay. sure. Okay. Well, that killed Martha. <laughs> 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 I think that's what makes us unique, is that yeah. we don't just have an off-the-shelf product sure. yeah. from that point of view. And I, I really do endorse what Fat says from the point of view that, yes, there's basic training, but every single activation that we do has a different nuance. For sure. No, no, so Clarifying question, because yes. when he started off in the early segment, uh, Fat said that the staff use them again and again and again. Yes, yes. So what Elon is asking is not that the program or the project I creativity is different or the same, yes. but do you are you using the same staff yeah, for each project? You can use the same staff for some project, but you can add as well. But what factor of the same staff are you using for each project? 10%? No, you've probably got a, about 80% of the staff okay. that yeah. we retain from yeah. that point of view. Absolutely. So the basic training is in place, but it's how each client needs to actually, yeah, sure. their, their creativity or their concept needs to roll out, which is staff. different. Mm. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Melissa, we've dominated too much. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually ready for summary. Mm. But um, what I wanted to, to ask in terms of just the calendar of events, is, yes. it, yeah. is it how... I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to, to, to be uh, confident that there's an assurance in terms of how you're driving the clients to spread the work out versus still having the same annual problem of concentration in the last part of the year. So how are they receiving or how are you encouraging them um, in that spreading out of calendar events? What initiatives can they take on? And I agree with you. And I think, as I said earlier, it is really about us pushing back to clients and saying, you know, you've got a year, you've got 12 months, you want to be in that space over the 12 months. How do you actually do it? But what often happens in the marketing industry is towards the last half of the year, there's surplus funds that are, that are made available because someone hasn't spent somewhere away. And then we've got to start plugging those holes. Mm. Um, so that is a, a lot where the kind of the challenge lies from that perspective. Um, but certainly it is about 
in my mind, it's about coaching the client and, and getting them to see the big picture on an annual basis. Okay. And what percentage of your clients have you succeeded with doing that? One of our key clients, which is Palmolite, which we've work, worked with for the last 11 years, we've got a very good relationship on that basis, and it has been ongoing, and we've really tried to explain to them the, the essence and the importance of having visibility throughout the course of the year. But I suppose when you are on uh, your e exponential growth trajectory, you know, it's, there's a lot of new clients who are untrained in inverted Correct. commas. Mm -hmm. right. Absolutely. And because you don't want to lose those clients, so yeah. you take them on. Um, and a lot of the, the work that we do with the guys is pilot projects because we want them to get an understanding because a lot of our clients don't understand the informal market. So we do a pilot project and then we look to to sort of expand that in the following year, which allows us then to, 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 to an extent, actually just make sure that we can sort of streamline their process throughout the year versus it being seasonal challenges. Cool, that's a good place to, to stop. We're going to an ad break right now. Right after that, we'll come back with our summaries. Kumaran, of course, has uh, already snuck in part of his summary in part two. Uh, <laughs> so he cheated a bit, but so I'm gonna start with you, Manalisa, to give you a lot of time to summarize so he gets less. <laughs> <laughs> A warm welcome back. Now our guests today in studio are Michelle Thackeray and Fats Maluleka from Mina Nawe Marketing. This is a niche marketing company and one of their key offerings is to create brand activation for their clients in the informal economy. Before the break we were discussing, or Kamaran was summarizing, that's what was really <laughs> happening, but, uh, but we were trying to understand uh, the, the types of clients and what the actual issue was. Um, and we're going to start off with Mona Lisa with uh, your summary. Okay. Um, I think there's two things for me. Um, one which Kumaran mentioned in his pre-summary um, was <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that um, I think then my, 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 my view is that there needs to be an approach of new um, clients in different sectors that have the either no presence in the informal market mm. or very inconsistent presence because as you rightly said they don't understand the dynamics within that market and what happens within let's say a pilot of a of a family or a youth within a solid year and that's got to do with um, a lot to do with the education approach that you would then um, you know use for that client to to show sustainability and to show the, the value of that presence. That's the first thing. Um, I think the second thing for me, um, and maybe I, I didn't get it from the website and we weren't able to interrogate it, I think you're doing a hell of a lot of good work, but I'm not sure that it's out there to the clients to start to change their mindsets. It's still driving the clients to say, we're going to do this over the December period, we're going to do because that's when we want massive sales. It's not saying we want to be part of this economy, we want to be consistently part of the evolutions within that economy and the changes, and that it cannot just be over a one period. So it's something that you've got to collect within your work and start to coach and educate 
new existing and potential clients are on the value of being consistently in that market. So a bit of a change in the approach um, would, I would be my summary. Come on, your second summary. So you're a services-based business. Absolutely. And my guess is in the audience we also have a lot of services-based businesses <coughs> and we've had a lot of services-based businesses sitting in the show. And the common challenge here is demand versus supply because it's project-related work yeah. and you have to maintain this fixed cost of staff while you're doing that. So it's a common challenge whether your type of services or accounting services, legal, doesn't matter. Uh, I want to frame the issue here in my solution very briefly as design versus default. It's okay. either you're in the, in the space of living with the problem by default or designing the solution to the problem. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's a reactive versus proactive. And, and so if you designed your strategy around that, and there's two suggestions I can make practically, then perhaps you can even out the issue. So the one thing I would suggest is look to balance off a different sector that yes. is not loaded at the Christmas end. Mm -hmm. um, that, would, that would weight it. The second, if it's not possible or doesn't bridge the gap significantly, think of a different activity you can do in the lower period uh, with your staff that you can uh, generate different revenue. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can get, be getting them doing research or other types of things that you could sell that data or those reports. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's another revenue sure. line using them in that period. Because there are other industries like agriculture and the like that have to live with this type mm -hmm. of thing and they design around it. Yeah. So those are the two things, but okay. design versus default. Thank you. No. So for me, I, I, I'm in total agreement with, with both my colleagues here. I just want to maybe add a different, in addition to uh, perspective. So for, for me, the fact that you've come from 5 to 55 or f f basically 10 times your size over the last couple of years, I, I think that's phenomenal and you're obviously doing something right. What I have seen over the years is that the... the it it's becomes a very dangerous period now because as businesses become bigger and bigger, you get more and more clients, you get more and more staff, the level of complexity becomes um, exponential, not, not linear. Mm -hmm. And if your systems aren't in place, mm. they basically crash. I would guess that you are in that very approaching or in that very vulnerable stage now with the systems that worked when you were doing 20 million, uh, part of those are still in place and are, are, are you know, shaking as this airplane is taking off. I would spend a disproportionate amount of my time right now around re-engineering the systems. So that, that would be about creating efficiency through this time because you could take some of the pressure out by being more efficient, yeah. right? Yeah. The second thing is that I, would, I, know that I know it's a great sales thing to say 10%. And whether it is or isn't is irrelevant. So if it is, move it to 30. So 70% is still good. You still have to take some pressure out, out the, the system. So I would look to see what is honestly re replicable across multiple um, clients. 70% bespoke is still a wonderful uh, outcome. Mm. So you might have to lose a little bit of, of that pride around that there. Yeah, sure. But the, the last thing I think is the most important thing is your relationship with a business that ha is, is cyclical. What I, um, I did my thesis on, by the way, was on a cyclical uh, oh business. Okay. No. My parents had an umbrella factory, and, and, and uh, it rains in summer, and, it's, and, and it's, uh, you have sun umbrella, beach umbrellas in summer. So it had the same cycle. 
And, and the, the issue really is a personal relationship with the business that is cyclical. So you can solve it in these ways. But a big part of, of solving this is your relationship, as in this is what it is. Mm. It's going to be a high pressure during this time. I, I rest up before that, and that's what it is. And you don't treat it as, as a naughty child. You treat yeah. it as a gift that yeah. comes once a year. And I think that's a, another, another way to look at it as well. All right. And I think that's yeah. pretty much what we've kind of learned to adapt to a little bit in the last one. Well, that's it for today on the hour version of the show this week. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Erbel, CEO of Reciprocation Marketing Academy. And our topic of discussion is archetypes. It's important that you know what archetype you are in order to develop it into a personal leadership style. This is followed by an interview with uh, Mona Lisa Sam sitting here right next to me and she's going to unpack what retail mashup means until next time from all of us it's goodbye and remember if you think it write it down and make it a reality now i guess today in studio are michelle thackeray uh, who is uh, gm at um, minanwe marketing marketing minanwe minanawe oh my god that means me and you Okay, I didn't read the thing today. Okay, I th I'll get it. Don't worry, I'll be good. Third time, third time. Third time. Okay. Now, our guest today in studio are Michelle Thackeray, uh, who is GM at Minananwe Marketing. No, I can't do that. Let me do Mina that one. Minanawe. But, but uh, Minanawe. No, Mina? you know, in, in, in the right Mina? terms, it's spelt Mina and then space. Nawe. So sell it, say Mina? it that way. Mina Nawe. Nawe. Okay. Mina Nawe. All right. Don't try and read it as one word. Right. He's having an off day, I'll tell you. Mina Nawe. Just rather separate it. Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business. A new world of business.